This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My name is Christopher Bishop, and I'm your host today. My guest is Nir Minerbi. He's the co-founder and CEO of Classic, an Israeli-based quantum software startup that builds a software platform for designing quantum computing algorithms. Nir is an alumnus of the prestigious Talpiot program and has master's degrees in both physics and electrical and electronics engineering. His company, Classic Technologies, is revolutionizing the development of quantum algorithms. Their software technology helps teams model, synthesize, and analyze quantum circuits that were previously impossible to create. So welcome, Nir. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. It's great to be here. Great. So, Nir, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. My objective, of course, is to give our audience a sense of what you did before you founded Classic, but also to orient our audience to the fact that there are many different ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So please share a bit about your background and your path so far, things like where you grew up and where you went to school, what you studied. We have a sense of that. And then insight into other companies or organizations that you were involved with before you started your company. Sure. So first, I 100% agree with your statement. You know, there are so many ways into quantum. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that I'm kind of example because I'm not a quantum information PhD. Don't tell anyone, right? Okay, it's be our secret. <laughs> yeah. So currently I'm 30 years old. I uh, grew up in um, Haifa, which is in the north of Israel. This is a, a beautiful city. And, you know, like 95% of, of the... Um, a startups ecosystem in Israel is in Tel Aviv. So today I live um, here in Tel Aviv uh, with uh, my my wife and our very small uh, baby girl. <laughs> Congrats! <laughs> thank you so much. And for the past decade, I was mainly in the Israeli intelligence community uh, in the Talpiot program, where you first. A study in the academia, first degree in, in physics and math. And after that, you serve for uh, six years um, in the Israeli intelligence community. And uh, I personally led teams of uh, software engineering and hardware engineering, you know, mainly uh, technical uh, work and also uh, leadership and initiation of projects. And I finished my service. Um, three years ago, and then with my best friend, uh, Amir Naveh, uh, which is uh, a co-founder of Classic as well. Wow. We, like, you know, we, we had a WhatsApp group called Startup 2019 for, like, since 2015. So then 2019 uh, arrived, and it was the time to, to start a startup, right? <laughs> so right. we, like, thought, what, what, what is the right place for us to be what is the, the the greatest problem we want to solve and it was very clear quantum computing you know 
this is the time for quantum computing. And then we joined to our third co-founder, uh, Dr. Yuda Nave, which is a world-leading expert in quantum computing. And he, he then led uh, for six years the IBM quantum activity in Israel, which is the mm. second largest in the world. Wow. And, you know, uh, after a few months of deep diving into this field, um, we understood that this is the right time. We have the right problem to solve. Uh, we published this company in December 2019. And uh, I guess this is my way into quantum. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, I'm a physicist. And after that, I, was, I left physics for software engineering. And, and the beautiful thing about quantum computing and specifically quantum computing software is that it's a combination, right? Quantum computing. Yeah. Physics, it's math, it's electrical engineering, it's logic. Great. So, so with all due respect, you're pretty young to be in that in the role you're in. So, kudos to you. Congrats. What a what a great story. Did you say you had like a WhatsApp group that that was an inspiration for starting the the company yeah. with your best friend? Yes, actually, for... for uh, How did for, that work? <laughs> yeah, so for, for alumnus of the Dalpiot program, uh, you know, the, the most routine thing to do after the service is, is to initiate the startup. So it's kind of, we, we knew, Amir and myself, that we want to do something together. So, you know, we initiated this WhatsApp group like <laughs> six <laughs> years ago. And, uh, you I know, we that. built it with... with better and worse ideas. So, uh, you know, that's yeah. only an anecdote, but definitely uh, we knew that we want to build something together. Well, that's great. So I just would say, I mean, what a, what an interesting and unusual and certainly at the same time practical way to sort of get together and get inspired to start a company with a WhatsApp group. So listeners, please, there's a really interesting option. I have to ask you with my marketing hat on, so why the name Classic? So what you know, made you come up with that as a descriptor for the company? Sure. So I'll give the, the official answer and, and, okay. and, and the truth, right? So the official answer is that classic is for classical development of quantum algorithms, right? We want the, the development to be more human. We want, to be, we want it to be more possible. And we want to bring 60 years of development in the classical stack into the quantum stack. Hmm. And the truth is that, you know, we looked for many names and we wanted <laughs> something that is not too niche, right? We could call it QCAD because we bring computer-aided design into quantum, but right. we wanted something brandy enough because, you know, this is part of the exciting thing in this industry. It's so young and you can really build large companies, so you don't want the name to be <laughs> yeah. you know, disappointing. Yeah, no, that's great advice, again, for startups. Um, we've, we've learned two really interesting things here, how to name your company and how to start a WhatsApp group to, to, to start it and build it. You describe revolutionizing quantum programming and moving it to a higher level of abstraction. Um, I found this intriguing. You said it by adapting a method that is highly successful in the field of digital circuit design. So, for example, instead of working at the gate and qubit level, a software engineer using the classic platform could create a high-level functional model of the quantum circuit because the classic um, platform then explores thousands upon thousands of alternatives to convert that high-level functional model into an optimized quantum circuit. So can you describe in more detail for our listeners how this works? If it's okay, maybe I'll start with you know one, one minute 
uh, uh, background on, on what is going on today with quantum software. So yes, yes. Obviously, you know, uh, quantum computing is being discussed since the 80s, and for the last five or four years, you know, we are speaking about the quantum revolution. And this revolution, you know, basically has two main verticals. One is the hardware, right? And the progress yeah. is fantastic. And second is the software and the end users. And we see more and more enterprises and, and academia, of course, establishing quantum software teams. And what they all want to do in very different fields and use cases is to design quantum circuits, right? To design software and algorithms for quantum computers that will bring an uh, advantage in the years to come. Right. And the problem that they are all facing is that, you know, currently the quantum software stack is pretty much in its infancy and the development is limited to gate level and building block programming. You know, whether you are working with Qiskit, which is incredible and super important, or, or Qsharp or Cirque or any other gate level quantum programming language. So you basically design a circuit. You need to specify which gates and which building blocks to apply on each uh, uh, qubit. And you choose one option for a circuit that you need to tailor-made. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge when you try to do it you know, for 5 qubits or 10 qubits. And this is becoming almost impossible when you try to do it, you know, for the state of the art of the hardware today with, you know, 40, 50 qubits. But definitely it turns to be impossible when you do it for hundreds and thousands and millions of qubits. Hmm. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, as humanity, we already face complex design challenges, right? No one today needs to design an electronic circuit with millions of transistors at the gate level, right? Because we have high-level modeling languages like VHDL, like Verilog, and synthesis tools like Cadence and Synopsys, which basically allow the user to define what functionality he or she wants to achieve, but the implementation, the gate-level implementation, is automated. And that's, mm. in essence, what we bring to the quantum algorithm design world, the ability to uh, model, to, to model what functionality you want to achieve. And I can give several examples uh, first, but forget about implementation. The implementation is done by automation, by the synthesis engine, which out of you know, thousands or, or millions of possibilities chooses a circuit that both meets the user's demands and constraints, as it, and is also an optimized for, for a specific hardware, um, if you would like it. So that leads me to the question about hardware, right? So one of the intriguing aspects of your solution is that it cuts a broad swath in terms of being flexible with regards to the underlying hardware. Thank you again for the, the setup around the two main focus areas, hardware and software, for sure. I think that's great for our listeners. Classic Engine works with a range of programming languages, as you mentioned, Qiskit, Circ, Q-Sharp, among others. It also seems to be qubit agnostic, if you will, supporting superconducting, photonic, trapped ions, and quantum dots. So um, ultimately, the, can you tell, tell me more about sort of the hardware connection? Like, do you, you know, there are companies like Amazon offering bracket, right, cloud-based solutions, uh, pick a qubit and run your 
research on it or run your algorithm on it. How does how does the classic engine tie into sort of hardware options? Sure. So this this is a a, a great point. So let's start with with the easy part, right? The easy part, it wasn't so easy, but easier is the integration (laughs) on top of, you know, the the quantum clouds, right? We are collaborating with uh, AWS and Microsoft and IBM and so on. So our platform is integrated on top of Bracket and Azure Quantum and IBM Cloud. So, you know, as as you define Mm -hmm. a high-level model, and then the the synthesis engine synthesizes a gate-level circuit, so you can choose the output language you want. If you want it to be Q-sharp, that's great. If you want it to be OpenCASM, also Qiskit and so on. Hmm. But then the most challenging part is to make it optimized for a specific hardware in a way that doesn't require um, you know, tailor-made of, of circuit because that could, right. could take a long time. We're not scalable for sure, right? It's like Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the beautiful thing about automation and high-level modeling is that the, the functionality and the constraints are divided, right? First of all, you define what functionality you want to achieve. Let's say that you want to design some uh, complex oracle for the Grover search. Let's say that you want to, to mine Bitcoin and you, you need to design an oracle uh, that implements the, the SHA algorithm. So you know what you want to achieve. You, you don't really care right now about the hardware because that's super complex to design this year. But then it's not good enough, right? Because you right. do need to run it on hardware. So what our layer in the stack enables you to do is to, you know, to, to add constraints and configuration files to the high-level model. And then from the first place, the circuit is synthesized, optimized, for the hardware, but the model remains the same. You can hmm. have the same model for, for different hardwares. You know, one will emphasize connectivity. Let's say that you are working on the Ion Q machine, so connectivity is not an issue, but maybe you, you have preferred gate sets, but with other machines, connectivity is a big issue. So definitely this is very helpful for, for the users. Wow, fascinating. So we've come to the inevitable question for anyone working in the quantum space, which is, do you have any customers? <laughs> right? That's what everyone wants to know. I mean, it's early days, to be fair. Um, but I read that Classic is working with a number of large companies, uh, that some banks are using your platform for option pricing, that a uh, large telecommunications firm is using your platform for fraud detection. And I recently read something about a defense contractor. So without revealing any uh, you know, confidential details, could you share with our listeners a little bit more about this work? Sure. So I think that the, the, the usual cool thing to say is that, yes, we have customers in five continents. So we don't, <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, we do have customers uh, in the U.S., in Japan, in Israel and, um, you know, more to come. And the beautiful thing about, you know, our existing customers, and we do have several indeed in, in finance, in, in uh, the aerospace field, in, in chemistry also. Hmm is that we, you know, they started to use the classic platform in different stages of the, their quantum journey. So huh. you know, one, one team is very experienced. Actually, it's working for the past three years. And they can really 
design sophisticated circuits and define their own models and their own functions. And you, you do see that, you know, they can create something that they, they just couldn't have created before with, with other platforms. For, yeah. for others, for, for, you know, for others, they are uh, at the beginning of, of the journey. So it's great to see them uh, succeeding to integrate domain experts, which are non-quantum experts into the quantum algorithm design process. So this is very encouraging to see both sides of the spectrum. And um, yes, we, we do hope yeah. to, to scale now when the platform is more stable and actually very soon we'll announce a, an open beta and we'll you know, be able to work with, with many more. Um, great. Yeah. Well, so that's a great uh, insight and again, an area of interest to me and sets up my next question, but your idea that there are people with domain expertise that may not be particle physicists but that are maybe connected more closely to the PNL or whatever that that are involved in, you know, using your quantum solution to drive the business model, right? Is that a fair statement? Yes, exactly. Because yeah. I, I would divide the, the quantum algorithm design process into two parts, right? Building the models. Let, let's let's give an example, right? Let's say that you want to build an adder, right? You want to add between two quantum registers. So build, you, you need to build this model only once at the gate level, and that's a challenge. You do need to understand quantum logic for that. But once it's implemented, anyone can use that, right? It's very easy to understand what, what does it mean to add two registers. So right. definitely, you know, we, with some of our customers, which are more at the early stage, so they're using existing models, models that we have in our platform, in finance, in chemistry, in optimization, but others can, you know, create their, their own. So I, I think this is the differentiation now and definitely as time, you know, goes. So we, we, we do need to enable domain experts uh, to do both tasks. Yeah. So I have to imagine your company recently re released a report based on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, so it ties to the do non-science domain expertise conversation we're just having, um, which I found quite intriguing. So it says, based on research conducted last summer of more than 500 U.S. professionals, ranging from C-level execs to managers familiar with quantum computing, uh, when they were asked what was missing from potential quantum deployments, the top answer was, drumroll, shortage of trained workforce. So software and hardware availability were tied for second. But I want to get your take as CEO of Classic, as a, at the top of the, uh, the game, if you will, in a startup company focused on this space. You know, how might this problem be addressed? I mean, you're dealing with it, I would guess, in, in the real world on a day-to-day -day basis. And wondering if, you know, is Classic taking some role in enabling the quantum-ready workers? Are you going pulling people from the Talpiot program or, you know, other worldwide sort of recruiting efforts or how did, how's that working for you? Yeah. So first, you know, m m may I um, say that um, I, I don't disagree with these uh, 500 executives and uh, <laughs> definitely, you know, the shortage of, of, of experts is very important, but obviously the soft, the hardware is important, right? We do need the hardware to evolve and yeah. I, I do wish the best of luck to the hardware providers 
as, a, as an agnostic player, I don't really care who will win this race. I need one winner, <laughs> but you know, we, we do need uh, the, the hardware and the software to evolve. But definitely, you know, we see that there are so few people in the world. There are many people, not so many, but many people with PhD in quantum information or, or you know, in, in some aspects of, of quantum technologies. Right. But yet, it doesn't really mean you can design quantum software. It doesn't, you know, this is a very specific skill sets and we do see many yeah. enterprises struggling to hire these people you know so the goldman Sachs and and jp morgans of the world they have an extremely strong team of quantum information experts and phds but others are struggling so our role you know as classic is first to enable the experts to do the work we currently are struggling with gate level design but even more importantly, to enable people with background in, in math, in linear algebra, in programming, to participate uh, you know, in this task. Because I can't really see how thousands and tens of thousands of quantum information experts will show <laughs> in, in the next few years. So definitely... Yeah. It goes both way, ways, and also we are working very closely with academia to mm -hmm. make sure that you know we give something to to the next uh, generation of quantum engineers. I want to circle back just for a moment to the issue of qubits. Uh, you know, today's software might work for circuits of ten or twenty, but it's certainly a very manual and labor-intensive process, and probably not going to work for computers with a hundred or more qubits. So can you describe you know, how the classic engine is going to scale to address this? Sounds like, again, based on the digital circuit design um, process you described before, that you, you're poised to be able to scale this. But can you just talk a little bit about how that's going to work as more computers with more and more qubits are built? Yes, definitely. So this is a very, very important uh, issue, right? Because let's say that we design a very complex, sophisticated model that doesn't scale, right? You can synthesize it easily up to 50, 70 qubits, but you can't reach hundreds and thousands of qubits. So it's pretty much worthless. And, and therefore, <laughs> and therefore yeah. we, we put a lot of emphasis on scaling. Some of these synthesis uh, problems are NP-hard. Obviously, you know, like place and route uh, in, in the classical chip design process is NP-hard. But right. the beautiful thing is that you don't need to be optimal. You need to be much, much, much better than could be achieved uh, manually. So, you know, there are uh, heuristics and uh, relaxing some constraints, which enables you in some problems to scale very easily. Some problems in their nature are scalable you know we are synthesizing thousands of qubits circuits on a daily basis so scaling is important it has a lot to do with algorithmic and also with classical compute this yeah. is our goal and uh, yeah on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah great i'd like to close the podcast by asking 
you to give me a sense of where you see quantum computing going. So everyone has a sense of what value it might deliver. You know, where do you think it will be in three to five to ten years? And more broadly speaking, you know, what kind of impact will companies like Classic have on how we work and live? I mean, it's sort of a philosophical question, if you will. Wow. So <laughs> <laughs> let's start with ten years because I think the beautiful thing about you know quantum computing and definitely full total on quantum computing, which I really hope we will be able to handle in 10 years, is that you definitely can predict what will it in, you know, what what it will enable. You can can do with some algorithms, you know, that the Shores algorithm will work and the Grover and HHL and so on, but there are probably many more to come and, you know, it is revolutionary and yeah. it will enable things that we can't really imagine right now. In three to five years, so I do believe we'll see first occasions uh, of quantum advantage in various industries. We'll see the hardware evolving, right? We see these aggressive roadmaps by IBM, by yeah. others. And I, I, I do believe that, you know, and others say say that right, like Gartner, like IDC, that we'll see more and more enterprises establishing these quantum software teams, and some are shifting from exploration to production, which will be a challenge, right? It's very different to yeah. to play and try to optimize seven qubits uh, circuits, and then integration in the entire IT processes and strategy of an enterprise. And we do see some uh, working on it already now. Yes, so I think yeah. it's about hardware, software, end users, and uh, timing. And I think that three to five years is, uh, is the right timing for very exciting things to, to happen. Yeah, I mean, back to end two hard problems. I mean, imagine the things we could discover or the problems we could solve if we had, you know, viable, you know, error-free quantum computers, right, in maybe in 10 years. I think if people describe, you know, maybe we could predict the weather for 100 years. <laughs> or- yes, definitely. And, you know, and even in the NISC era, I do think that we'll see some very beautiful uh, applications. But, uh, you know, it is yet to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're early days. Well, Nir, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you I'm so gonna, much, Chris. I'm going to invite people to connect with you on LinkedIn, right, and uh, at least follow you. Um, I also want to mention the, to our listeners that Nir is going to be at our Inside Quantum Technology event next week. He's going to be on a panel discussing the evolution of quantum programming languages. It's going to take place on Friday, November 5th at 10.55 Eastern Daylight Time. So join us for that. Learn more about Nir and his company and his worldview. Uh, encourage listeners to check out the company website, classic.io. I have to say, Nir, kudos to your web design team. Very cool graphics on the website. <laughs> Thank you so much. We yeah, love quantum right? circuits. You know, that's our problem. So <laughs> oh, it's, it has uh, to be beautiful. But yeah, I mean, the the rendering is fantastic. I encourage listeners to check it out. Um, other social media channels. So. Uh, Classic has a Twitter handle, Classic Tech, at Classic Tech, and there's a YouTube channel as well, Classic Technologies. So encouraging listeners to uh, check it out. Um, Also, 
everyone, share this podcast on social media so we can increase the impact of my conversation with Nir. And uh, thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Quantum Tech Pod. You can learn more about our IQT events, the Inside Quantum Technology event taking place next week at iqtevent.com. I encourage you to listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already. Please connect with me on LinkedIn, and we'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.